Hey everyone, we just launched a new show called Request for Startups. In the first season, we've got a rotating lineup of tech founders and investors joining me to share their requests for startups they want to exist in the world, and also share their stories of navigating the idea maze in different sectors so founders don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. The first episode is out now. We cover better dating apps, references as a service, and we work for productivity. Listen first, then build. Video episodes of the show are on our Substack. You'll find a link in the description. You're going to see the intersection of things that we see other people view, whether it's like education, gaming, friendships, like relationships. All of that is now intersecting with the digital world, but also creators, right? Creators who are the first to those spaces. And so not only are we going to see way more creators than we see today, I think as they overlap with what someone might call like the more essential parts of our lives, which again, like I would count relationships in there. I think there's going to be opportunity to monetize more, to actually like build true businesses. And then I do think there's, as we've already talked about, just this huge gap that is being solved right now by examples like Mr. Beast, where creators are realizing that actually like it's not enough to just get a bunch of attention. I need to like build up the skills or partner with someone to build up the skills um, to build something that people are actually willing to pay for and build up a true business. Welcome to Media Empires, where we sit down with the most influential media creators right now to learn exactly how they built their empires. Our aim is to extract the secrets of top-tier podcasters, newsletter authors, and media creators who are breaking the old rules for media success. Whether you're looking to start your own empire or simply curious about the nuts and bolts behind media businesses, you'll find valuable insights and tactics in each episode. Grab your headphones. Let's dive in. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of this show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code MEDIAEMPIRES to get a 20% discount. Steph Smith has followed an exciting career path at tech media companies. She built the newsletter Trends for the Hustle, which was acquired by HubSpot, and she's now at A16Z, where she hosts the excellent A16Z podcast. Steph has a distinct voice as a creator, obsessed with data, internet rabbit holes, and the opportunities she sees that others don't. In this episode, we talk about what the future of partnerships looks like between tech companies and creators. Steph's frameworks for consumer media diets, and how to find new content sources upstream of what everyone else is reading. Here's my interview with Steph Smith. Steph, welcome to Media Empires. Thanks for joining. Great to be here. So Steph, by way of introduction, why don't you give a brief background of uh, the last few steps in your career? And, and more curious, I'm curious just how you position your, yourself and your career and where you feel like you're, you're working towards, like to the extent that you have a North Star or another, uh, other people's careers that you want to emulate. How, how do you think about all this? Yeah. So I'll answer the second part first, which is that (laughs) candidly, I don't have a North Star. I mean, my North Star is looking maybe max one to two years ahead in terms of vaguely what I want to do, but also what I find interesting. Um, But I've just learned too many times in my life that if you plan any further ahead than that, then, you know, life gives you a lesson and you end up somewhere totally different, often better than what you could have imagined. Um, But yeah, coming back to my career arc, I... I started in tech years ago on the growth team of a high growth tech company. It was a developer marketplace. I went on from there and joined The Hustle, 
Um, most people might know it as a large business and tech newsletter. I helped kind of jumpstart and build Trends, which is their product, which is their paid newsletter, but it was all around trends that people maybe either hadn't heard of or were on the early stage of. And we kind of shared those trends, but also told people how they could capitalize. Spent a couple years there. We were acquired by HubSpot, ended up leading their creator program, um, which included their podcast network. And during all of that, I was kind of building my own career, you could say, as a creator. So Twitter, my own podcast, I wrote a book, um, and then somehow ended up at A16Z. So that's where I am now as a podcast host. So that's actually kind of new to me, you know, among that career arc. Like, it's not like I had been preparing for years to do this, but yeah, that's where I find myself now. Um, so I, I imagine you're a type of person who says no regrets, you know, everything led me to, to where I am now, but in terms of you've, you've tried a bunch of different things. Um, and some of them have had more success than others. If, if you could go back even like four years ago, do you have a sense for like where you would spend more time versus less? Yeah. I mean, I think I would spend more time figuring out how to like a surface information on the internet better. That's something that I would say like now I would give myself a gold star, but back then I had no idea what information existed online and all the rabbit holes that you could go down. And also just the data that literally tells you whether it's through SEO, through subreddits, what people are looking for. And so that is like an easy path that I ran into through trends, but I wish I knew that earlier because that opens up so many doors uh, for you. And then I'm trying to think if there's anything else important there, but I think, you know, it's, it sounds trite, but it's like, Focusing on what you truly love to do every day. So like going down those internet rabbit holes is one of those things for me because yeah, my career is pretty windy, but at the end of the day, like every time I was given a project where I was like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Or in fact, I already do this for free for myself. <laughs> yeah. um, and now someone's willing to pay me for it. And by the way, like, it's not like I get so many job offers, but I said no to a lot of stuff. And looking back, a lot of those no's were great decisions because they might have paid me a lot or, you know, given me X, Y, Z thing that looks prestigious. But I would have just been really, really, you know, I, I wouldn't have enjoyed the role. So that was another thing where I've yeah. learned to rein that in more and focus on that more. Yeah. Every time you you say yes to something, you're closing all these doors you don't see. Uh, and yes. similarly, when you say no to things, you're you're creating, uh, leaving space for, for other opportunities that you, you don't see in the moment. It's, it's so interesting. You mentioned on the, on the rabbit holes, I had a friend who worked, I believe for, for Obama, it was, it was some president. Um, and one thing that he was amazed at was that Obama, um, reads the same news that we do basically yeah. like, <laughs> and I've, I've been really interested in this idea of like, if you have a little bit of money that you're willing to dedicate on like giving yourself an unfair advantage, what's like the best way to do that? And one mm -hmm. way I'm curious about is like, um, you know, if you could have someone or there be a service that just gives you an information advantage um, in, in some capacity, I don't know what, maybe it's regards to information in your network, maybe maybe, maybe it's regards to information in your, in your field. Um, maybe it's, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but, you know, I'm sh like the richest people probably do the same thing we do, which is just ch check Twitter. <laughs> like, like there has to be something that they could pay for that would like optimize their information intake, their learning, their rate of learning, et cetera. In general, I believe that in the future, we'll all have like personal trainers for everything life, people mm -hmm. who are, or AI or whatever, that's like watching us in every interaction, giving us feedback, suggesting what, what we say to this person, what we say to that person, um, saying, hey, you're, you're wasting time on, on this site. 
Um, anyways, I know you're a creative thinker, so I just wanted to. Throw no, some I mean, I was going to say that that latter part is what we need more of, because to your point, all of the smartest people in the world, they have access to the same news, but they also have the same 24 hours. And I think where most people squander their time is by basically like overloading themselves where they're like, oh, I I subscribe to like 50 newsletters. I once met someone who subscribed to over 100 newsletters. And I was like, dude, you're never going to be able to focus on what actually matters, what's actually interesting, because you're just drowning in all of this other information. And so it's like the the smartest people I know have whittled down their information streams to just the essentials, just the things that are like, wow, other people aren't reading this. And then also using the tools, because like truly a decade ago, we didn't have access to this. Or if you go on subredditstats.com, you can see the subreddits that are growing the fastest. Within that subreddit, you can see exactly what posts were the most interesting to the most people in the last month, the last week, the last year. And that data is like so much more high fidelity than some random person on the street or even your advisor being like, hey, I heard this interesting thing today because that's like data point one of one. And so I think that's what I learned, especially during my time at Trends is like, how do I see through all the noise that we, to your point, we all have access to all the noise. How do I actually whittle that down to something meaningful? Tell us more about about Trends, what you built there, how you built it, if you were starting it as an independent company in 2023, how you might think think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't take credit for the actual concept. Sam came up with it and then I was brought in to basically like bring it to life. But again, it's this idea that like there is so much information out there and at any given time there's opportunity, right? We constantly think we're too late to things, right? We're like, I thought I was too late to remote work in 2016, right? And like, here we are. A lot of people think thought they were too late to whatever, Web3, podcasting, right? But like every day there's a new podcaster who hits the top of the charts. Um, Andrew Huberman started podcasting like a year or two ago and he was the number one podcast as of last month, right? Like of all podcasts. And so the point is there's always opportunity. And so for us, it was about, again, where where is this opportunity? What is it? And it could be something as simple as noticing that on Google Trends, hard kombucha is trending in California, but nowhere else in the United States. Or it could be some of these more macro trends of like, look how many podcasts were started in you know 2022 or 2020 and look at how that's changed. And so what we did is we just came up with a list of different tools. And I've mentioned some of them already, subreddit stats, but it also could be looking at the backlinks to a particular domain on Ahrefs. It could be looking at the sales of a particular product or keyword on Jungle Scout um, and using that to tease apart what we think is interesting. And then we also develop processes for, again, showing people where the opportunity is. So using Jungle Scout as, as an example, you can find a particular product that is selling way more than you might expect. Like it sounds like this niche thing and it's doing millions a month, but then you can also look at the ratings and be like, oh, what do, what do all the three-star reviews say? Like where, what countries are their reviews coming from? And so we built that up over time and I think it was pretty successful. We got it to millions in ARR. We were eventually sold. And so I think it's doing relatively well still. I, you know, I don't have access uh, to the product anymore. Um, as in access to the data. But if I were to start it over, I think like, honestly, the playbook is still there. I know it sounds silly, but it's like, I think um, there's other companies, Glimpse, who kind of does something similar, exploding topics. But if you just think about like the TAM for people who want to know what is coming next, it's like 
everyone. (laughs) Um, And so the one thing I would say that we kind of moved away from that I still think there's a big opportunity to kind of replicate is just focusing on the visual nature to that. Um, So Charter is a great example of a newsletter that's done that well, but that's focused more on news, right? So like what company just went public? Like what does this SEC filing say? But like, um, I still think there's a big opportunity to use again, a lot of those data sources and just make them highly visual. And I think people would still eat that up. Yeah. Um, Sam said in a recent My First Million, like he thinks there's an opportunity to create more verticalized, like more niche mm-hmm. focused of, of trends. Did you catch that mention? Yeah. I, I listen to <laughs> every episode as I'm sure you do too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it is interesting. The um, like slightly related to that, I've, I've been curious about a, um, like there's so many ideas in, in people's heads Um like I'm, I'm curious if there's a better way to like use wisdom of crowds to like, I'll give you an example. Let's say I want to pursue an idea in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Like what am I going to go do? It, what I really want to do is like hear from like the hundreds of people who've spent years exploring these spaces and like understand everything they tried, what worked, what didn't work, like see where all the bodies are. Bur- it's like the idea maze. Um, but like, instead of starting from scratch, like getting to benefit from all the people or even mm, dozens mm-hmm. of people who've been through it, who've tried all these things. And that's like, we build like uh, more on top of each other, but that just happens kind of in a vacuum. Um, yep. And then similarly, there are all these people who want these ideas built, who have money and would love to invest in them. Um, and um, all these entrepreneurs who want to build their next thing and they want to have some traction with it. And so I wonder if there's a marketplace opportunity um, in addition totally. to kind of like a, wiki for for idea maze or something kind of yeah kind of have you idea. seen kernel k-e-r-n-a-l I, yeah, I, yeah they, they I, I've, I've seen them and i admire uh their persistence in in um in, in trying to build that yeah no <laughs> yeah. totally uh, but it's very hard yeah yeah no i think i think it is hard because as as we know like there's a seed of the idea but then actually like growing the plant is much more difficult but also dynamic than just like yeah. oh there's an opportunity here um but i do think there's there is opportunity in matching those two because even with trends a lot of people loved the newsletter, but then their request was always like, okay, what they would call like, I want more operator-focused content. But the problem with operator-focused content is that there is no correct like blog post or demo to making your first hire or to, you know, to growing a company from this, from zero to like 10,000 MRR because every one of those companies is slightly different. You're going to run into slightly different things. And so maybe there is some sort of educational resource that fits in that gap but because it it is like the classic it depends it's hard to actually build out great content in that domain yeah totally i, I want to zoom out and talk about kind of the intersection of, of media and and tech companies I, i'm curious if you think in the future there's going to be a lot more kind of hustle you know sell uh, say, uh, acquisitions to hubspot are you where these big companies are just going to acquire media companies or are media companies themselves going to try to become um, tech companies on, on top of the, maybe like a CB insights, you know, other mm-hmm. that's a slightly more adjacent, you know, media to data play. Um, but like the example would be like uh, if there's a Lenny Rachitsky for sales and then he builds like a, a gong competitor chorus or um, any one of these kind of sales, uh, you know, tools. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think both. Um, And obviously this is just my perspective, but like, especially with some of the technology advances that exist today, where it's like, there's like no code or there's AI, the actual act of creating 
a product or a company is going to get easier and easier and easier. So the differentiator really, I think over time, as simple as it sounds, is like, can you effectively get people's attention? Um, and again, sounds simple, but it's actually hard to do. And I think that's why so many companies, they might build up their expertise in like using HubSpot as an example, building a great CRM, but then they realize, oh, actually, A, we might not have the internal expertise, but even if we do, it's going to take years and years and years to build up that same level of attention that the hustle has built up. Um, and so let's just acquire that. Similarly, I've seen on the other end, because I've worked for media companies, they are extremely good at getting people's attention, but it's, you know, even with the new tooling that exists, it's pretty hard to build a product that people want and to figure out exactly what your customer base is truly looking for. And so I think they too are like, okay, let's, let's partner and find something that actually fits at the back of this quote unquote funnel. Um, and so I think that'll happen more and more because also as these technologies are moving so quickly, so is the speed to, to make these deals or to get the attention that you're looking for, right? Like if you don't, HubSpot might not have the time to wait five years to build up their audience. The hustle might not have the time to spend five years to build, you know, a serum that they can sell, right? And so that's why I think those deals are going to be more strategic and happen um, a lot more over time. I think also what you're going to see is like, I mean, Mr. Beast is, is a great example of this, but many creators get to the point where they have a bunch of attention and they just truly don't know what to do with it, right? Yeah. And I think their natural reaction is, okay, let me go monetize this content. And I think most of the time, not all of the time, they're just shooting themselves in the foot because they're basically like, hey, I have this great, like using the analogy of a plant, I have this plant that's thriving. It's growing faster than I ever could have imagined. It's growing all these new roots. Let me just like chop off the trunk or let me actually, instead of chopping off the trunk, let me like put a tarp on top of it so that it no longer gets sun, right? It's like, no, actually, how how can you instead, I don't know, like start barbecuing under your beautiful tree or like build up a nice home next to it? And so I think they just don't have that expertise. And so I do think that those partnerships are going to be important for creators that aren't Mr. Beast that don't know how to go and create, you know, their own burger chain, for example. Mr. Beast acquires... Uh some seed stage startup. <laughs> there's, all these, there's all these jokes. Uh, Mr. Beast, uh, you know, saves SVB. Mr. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like, I've bought like 300 regional banks. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It is really. I mean, on Mr. Beast specifically, it's like, I mean, he raised money. I believe at like over a billion dollar valuation. I think yeah. it's an interesting question. You know, how does he get to like a hundred billion dollars of enterprise value? Like at that point, you probably have to build like a real software company or something. Like, yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, sure you could build an e-commerce company or, you know, something of that nature and certainly more content, but can you really like, I don't know, build something like a cash app competitor or something, um, mm -hmm. if you can find the right people to run it, um, or, or something that's more native to him that, you know, has just better scale. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, and so the, the difficulty is one building those companies, but I also think Mr. Beast is a unique example where I do think people know him by name. They also like trust what. Jimmy has to say, there are tons of creators out there that just due to the way that they've built their audience, people, it, it's more transactional, if that makes sense. They're like, oh, I'm coming to you to get the latest AI news for the day. And I don't actually care if you've built this product on the side or you're selling this yeah. thing because I don't actually like have this. It's not so much trust, but I, I, I actually, I don't have very much emotion dedicated to your opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah. And 
and that's just worth pointing out as well is that some creators will will have a harder time not just building those companies but even if they do build them having that like fidelity with their audience yeah the um and yeah it's really interesting to um obviously mr beast is kind of like a you know once in a generation um type person but then there you know people like i think doug demuro is an interesting example with the cars and bids um youtube channel that he has and then he's building uh, i believe a marketplace mm-hmm. associated with it if there can be these vertical um kind of you know tastemakers or creators who then are able to partner with entrepreneurs and build again yeah not just commerce products but actually like marketplaces or apps yep. or, or things that can actually you know achieve a level of scale and it it's going to require um you sort of just the right partnerships um and that's why i was thinking actually one opportunity could be to create something like a on deck or entrepreneur first um for creators that matches like ceo types with mm-hmm. creators who have audiences um and then invests in the in the in, in the top co totally. um I think the creator finance space is just interesting in general. Slow, who we had on the podcast, they're funding creators in 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 they're doing three sixty deals where they'll put like a million or two million in, get five percent of a creator's like earnings over the next thirty years, which is yeah. a lot. But also they become you know millionaires <laughs> or multi billionaires um, right away. So um, I do wonder if that's going to be the norm because um, even zooming out, like in two thousand five, Paul Graham identified that like tech talent was uh underappreciated like yeah. young technical you know, engineers who don't know business were underappreciated you could teach them business and similarly i wonder if today it's like creators there's no like venture capital mm-hmm. for creators really and um but the, the the big question there for me is will it be equity ownership or, or like will it be 360 deals i.e everything they do or will it be more just like uh you know on a revenue basis or something because if it's on a revenue basis then it's not as interesting like I'm curious if there's a win-win for the creator and the investor such that a ton of capital would would go through. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm yeah. rambling. These are some no, of my No, no, no. So I think, well, what you're touching on is, well, one, I, I don't think people realize the complexity of some of these deals because they are so um, ad hoc and directed at a specific creator and a specific company because every creator wants something different and same is true for companies. And I got to see, you know, the inside of this as we were building out a podcast network and a creator program is just, again, like it was really hard to standardize anything because every creator wanted something different. And so it'll be interesting, as you said, is it an equity stake? Is it some sort of ongoing payment that you get every month that just gives you the stability that you're looking for? And then everything else is is separate. Um, do you own, for example, like what part of the IP do you own, right? Do you own, if you have a podcast, do you own those episodes? But then if you spin off a Beast Burger chain, like, do you own that or does the partnership with the company own that? And so there's all these complexities. And I think we're just starting to see what some of these deals even look like because we're really only a few years in to these companies and these creators realizing that there's some of that joint value if they if they decide to partner together. And so it'll be interesting to see, yeah, like the trade-offs that different creators make, what companies are willing to spend here. Um, but I think we're definitely in the early innings there. Yeah. The um Let's say we're having this conversation in like 2028, 20, five years from now. What do you think is going to be dr- like drastically different about the, like how we're having this conversation? Think about like the creator economy at large. Yeah. Well, I mean, just think about 10 years ago. I tweeted this yesterday. Like people would literally say something along, along the lines of like silly YouTuber. And now 
you know, you don't hear anyone say that, right? Yeah. Because it seemed like a hobby. And I think there's going to be many other facets, even podcasting. I don't know if you find this, but like, since I started telling people I'm a podcast host, they're like, is that a full-time job? <laughs> and like, it, there is still this like view around creators and what they actually do and how they make money and how many of them really should exist in the world and if they bring any value and things like that. Um, but I think they'll start to intersect many different fields, whether it's education, right? You can imagine like the kids of the future actually just learning from YouTube, actually just learning from specialized versions of, you know, ChatGPT, um, gaming, right? We're already seeing like esports is another world where a lot of people like took shots at it, thinks it's silly, like who actually does this, you know, just like incels and it's like not true at all, right? <laughs> and and I think that's another area where like you're going to see the intersection of things that we see other people view, whether it's like education, gaming, friendships, like relationships, all of that is now intersecting with the digital world, but also creators, right? Creators who are the first to those spaces. And so not only are we going to see way more creators than we see today, I think as they overlap with what someone might call like the more essential parts of our lives, which again, like I would count relationships in there. I think there's going to be opportunity to monetize more, to actually like build true businesses. And then I do think there's, as we've already talked about, just this huge gap that is being solved right now by examples like Mr. Beast, where creators are realizing that actually like it's not enough to just get a bunch of attention. I need to like build up the skills or partner with someone to build up the skills um, to build something that people are actually willing to pay for and build up a true business. So yeah. I'm not sure exactly what that will kind of shake out to be, but I don't think the same way we said, <laughs> silly YouTubers, I don't think we're going to be saying that anymore about podcasting. I don't think we're going to be saying that anymore about esports. And I think like the term creator is way too broad. There's going to be many, like, I guess, more specific titles that people call themselves um, that are going to be really like solid jobs, if you want to call them that. Yeah. From your lips to God's ears in terms of people taking podcasting uh, more seriously. Yeah. I'm, I'm just teasing. Um, the um, I was also going to joke, uh, there are a lot of incels in esports, but there are a lot of wealthy uh, incels and now they're not incels anymore. Um, but well, I mean, I'm, there's I'm, all types of, uh, I mean, like versions of this too, right? Like I think another interesting aspect of, has you, have you been following like the digital virtual influencer side of this whole thing where it's like, you I, have I, to I, be... checked, I, I invested in the little Bikela company, Brud, and I saw your, you your great episodes with them. So yeah, the, uh, I don't know you're excited about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think it's, you know, if we talk about like, I guess as people have like these derogatory statements about people online and like what, you know, the type of person you might expect online, I just think that's changing, but it's also important to remember that like you no longer need to represent yourself as yourself online. And that's yeah. a whole new wave of like interesting repercussions, but also I think opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I remember hearing something about lines of like plastic surgery is like just up and to the right for, for a very long time in terms of people augmenting their human self. Like imagine, you know, how much easier it is to do digitally and, um, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> and thus, you know, and reversible and exactly. like can change yeah. daily. And you yeah. also, you know, one aspect I think about the whole digital human world is that I think we're still in this like very skeuomorphic phase of it where we're like, oh yeah, like let's take plastic surgery from like meat space and let's put it in the metaverse. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you read like Neil Stevenson's book, Snow Crash, it's like, actually that metaverse, like you didn't even need to look like a human. 
or you didn't need to like be the same gender or that could change the next day or like we don't need to have all of the same like physics even from like the earth that we live in um and that introduces a bunch of other questions but i just think we're still in this like especially with ai the schemorphic phase where we're like just copying what we see in real life and there's i'm excited for creators over the next couple years to rethink that yeah if um if you uh shifting gears a bit if you had to leave your great podcast at a16z and start a company and you were unconstrained by talent or resources or expertise and let's say it broadly in the space of media, creators, kind of the space we've been talking about, uh, and, you, and you could incubate multiple companies. Like what's what's one that you would want to uh, want to start or, or see started? Well, I hate to take my my example from trends before, but I still think, and this was like a an ambition back then that we never ended up doing, but I still think there's just like so much opportunity to take the data online and build companies around that. And I think you literally could call it like the subreddit company. Like there's a subreddit around like beauty trends. And we took a bunch of our like trends that we would share in the newsletter from there about different chemicals, like AHA, BHA, things like that, that had taken off there. And I I even remember like sharing with the team, like we should totally start like a skincare company called like, like, you know, like the, the subreddit, like skincare company or something like that we could come up with a better name, but the point is like, it's of the people. It's like, we're discovering things on the ground. We're building this um, with people who are, you know, part of this community. And those communities are huge, by the way. Um, But there was so many other subreddits where I would love to, if I truly was unconstrained by talent, is just like every week there's like me and some other person, we're sitting down, we're reviewing all of the data from Reddit the prior week. And then we're kind of cross-referencing that with other information that you have, whether it's, again, like from Google or um, doing competitive research. And then at the end of the week, it's like we spin off one new company, we bring in like whatever talent we need, and then we grow it. And there's just so many like random things. Like I think a lot of people when they, because I've shared uh, this concept before, they're like, oh, so you just like run all these like huge companies. And it's like, no, you can find all these like tiny little ideas. Um, One example was like, one time I found like this Hanoki oil, which is this oil in Japan, which like if you've ever heard of forest bathing in Japan, it's lit- like doctors literally prescribe a walk in the forest. And it's because the trees there, other than just being outside, have this like they're Hanoki trees. There's this Hanoki oil that causes you to relax. And most people around the world don't know this. And there's, you know, little inklings of people selling Hanoki oil. But like that's an example where this this information exists online, as we talked about before. And so if you get access to it earlier on and you spin off a company intelligently, like I would love to just have this like holding company that I guess manifests all this like Reddit data in life. Fascinating. So let's, let's turn another card over here and give some more examples because I'm not familiar with, with subreddits, although I should be meaning I I should frequent them more. Um, So you mentioned like skin skincare example. There's some skincare Reddit that is uh, excited about some like specific type of product. They're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if this existed? And then you create a skincare product for them, or like give give some more examples of what concretely they're saying that would then inform the product. Yeah, so I mean, all the time people will be like, oh, I heard like in often it's from other parts of the world. Like I went to Korea and I saw, I brought back the skincare product and it has like this chemical in it. Um, but there's tons of other examples where it doesn't even have to be like an independent post. There was one that we saw, like 
during the pandemic, this is kind of like a transient example, but people were just like making a ton of soap online. Like there was this like there, if you look at the, the graph, the like r slash soap making subreddit was just taking off. Like it was insane. The number of people, way more people than you would ever expect. And so that'd be an example of where you don't always need to make like enduring companies. At least that's what I would think at, with respect to this concept. And so you would see that and you're like, okay, like, let me make like a soap making kit or actually let me cross-reference this with other subreddit data I have of another subreddit taking off. Maybe it's, I don't know, like some particular like ingredient that's taking off. I'm sure you've seen, like, if you listen to My First Million, there's like reports that go out that talk about like the color of the year, the scent of the year. Um, I think the last, like this year, it's like one of the like flavors of the year is like lemon because that's like a popular flavor from Japan. And so it's just, again, kind of like mixing and matching different concepts that you see either at the subreddit level of something growing or of a specific post of someone being like, hey, I discovered this thing. And you can often tell, again, because you can sort it by the performance, how many people are responding, if it's, you know, the top post for the month, things like that. So let's say that we had a third person in this conversation and he was in charge or she was in charge of, of the strategy. And like, where would you direct this person in terms of where to look? Like, what, how should they be tracking what's happening? Yeah. So, I mean, you can, whether it's through subreddit stats or there's actually several, there are on that site in particular, you can see the top growing subreddits every single week. So I would be tracking that. And a lot of them won't be super interesting, but every so often, if you're, if you're monitoring it daily or weekly, you will find things that you're like, whoa, what is this thing? And why is it taking off? It, whenever you have a reaction like that, it's like, that it's typically a good sign. And then there are several other subreddits like, you know, like r slash skin beauty or whatever it's called, where I would just, I would again, revisit it weekly or monthly and look at the top posts. And again, it may sound tedious. You're going to go through a lot of junk where you're like, that's not that interesting. But every so often you will see something that you didn't notice before or something that confuses you. And you're like, why do all people, why do all these people care about this? Another example is like, if we are interested in the, the way that AI is reshaping our world, there's a subreddit called r slash replica, because there's this product replica where a lot of people um, use it to build these connections with these virtual beings. That's very charitable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, people can go to the subreddit. And again, I think there will be for some folks a surprise at, as to how big it is. And then also over the last month or so there was controversy because replica the company changed the way that they actually train or allow the models to behave um and without giving it all away like a lot of these folks were really upset and so that's another example where depending on your interests or maybe even your capabilities you would track certain subreddits and you'd pay attention and every so often you'd stumble into it and be like why are all these people so upset or why is there like 20x the number of posts this week relative to before it. Let me look into that. And in some cases, you might just learn something interesting like, oh, okay, they're, they're upset about this, but there's nothing to do. But in other cases, you will stumble across like a concrete opportunity that you can build a business around. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. So imagine you, you did this idea, you know, you have a team running it and over a couple year period, they maybe incubate like 10 different projects or something. Um, so the examples I've got in my head right now are like beauty and skincare products and AI only fans. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm teasing, but like, what, what are other examples? Like, would it be skewing more towards like beauty or e-commerce or like, 
or how, how wide do you think, do you expect this series of products are to come out? No, it could be um, way bigger than that. So for example, like I think if you were paying attention to Reddit several years ago, I mentioned like I felt like I was late to remote work. If right. you were on the r slash like um, nomad or r slash remote work, I can't remember the exact syntax of those subreddits, but you would see a bunch of people who were not just talking about the fact that they work remotely, but you'd be talking about different tools, not just Slack, but like um, all of these, these technologies that now we're familiar with. You'd also be talking, seeing them talk about um, the different like legal tax implications of all of this. And like, that's, I mean, look at one of the most fast growing companies that's come about in the last couple of years is Deal, D-E-E-L, right? If you were paying attention, I'm not saying you could have built, built deal to the same degree that Alex and his team have, but like you would see that a bunch more people are talking about this, are engaging in it, and have a ton of questions about it. I don't know if I can move here. I'm from this country. I don't know what the, the tax implications are. You, There's a bunch of people now who have built entire businesses on working with different governments to advise them on this new shift and how to develop, you know, like remote work visas and things like that. So that's another example. I mean, another example today that I'm paying attention to is that there's a lot more people who you could say are like eternally online, terminally online, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I include myself in that. And there's a whole swath of different, you know, you could call it cybersecurity. I feel like that term is a little old, but a lot of uh, security implications of that universe. Now, I don't know what subreddit exists for that. I'm sure one exists. And I'm sure there's a lot of people talking about SIM swapping, a lot of people talking about like, oh man, my grandma got hacked from this thing. Um, and I think that's another area where like, again, it's much broader than like, I know it sounds silly to talk about like Hinoki oil or like soap making. There's a lot of questions that people are asking today on these subreddits that tell you what they care about. And I also think that like, I, you keep using Reddit as an example, but there's so many other data points. I think a lot of people really underrate even SEO as like, cause it's this like kind of, it's existed for so long. And um, there's all these large agencies that do it um, in this like very boring way. But imagine if you like wanted to build a business and you wanted to know exactly what people are looking for, the problems they're running into, how frequently they're running into it, what related problems they have. That's all in search data. All of yeah. those questions are answered. And so I think that's another example of like, again, it's not just the like soap making or Hinoki oil. I think depending on your interest, it, you can really go down any rabbit hole. Fascinating. Would you consider competing with the the subreddit? Um, let's say if they're not like, if their users are wanting to be served in like more specialized ways or even like Reddit more, more broadly, or do you think these are too difficult to do and it's, or, or not where the prize is, the prize is actually building things on top of it? Oh, I think it's building on top because I mean, Reddit, Reddit's a fascinating place. I mean, it's what is it top 10 in terms of traffic around the world. And I think one of the reasons it works is because it is a place where people don't feel like they're being monetized directly. In yeah. fact, I think that's why Reddit ads have typically worked so terribly um, is a place where people feel like they can like share, you know, again, like their, their skincare troubles or their love for a digital being, um, Imagine someone posting that stuff on LinkedIn, it wouldn't work, right? And I even like to think about, um, this is from a long time ago, but there is this like arc of different media properties. Like I think it's probably like 8chan, 4chan, maybe something in between, and then like Reddit, and then Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And it also has to do with anonymity. 
wait, <laughs> I can never pronounce that word. Anonymity. But anonymity, how anonymous someone is, right? Um, but it also has to do with like the commercial nature of the platform. If it's linked to other parts of their lives, like LinkedIn is linked to potentially your ability to get a job, how much you're linked to other people in your life, right? So Instagram's pretty directly linked to your friends and family, Twitter less so, Reddit even less so. 4chan definitely not right <laughs> so there's a sliding scale but you know even if you're gonna because those pro those platforms do have problems but if you look at something like a 4chan there's something interesting there the same way there's something interesting behind these digital influencers because there's a degree of truth and you might not like that truth but people feel like they can share anything um that they are truly thinking and that's where again depending on which side of the spectrum you're on, you may have to sift through more junk. But again, there there may be more nuggets. Now, I, I personally don't hang out on those platforms, but I think Reddit hangs out in that really interesting medium where, where it's just such a massive site covering so many topics and people feel like they can be, again, themselves Honest. to a degree, um, yeah. transparent. Um, and by the way, I remembered my less terrible name for the skincare company. I was going to call it Small Beauty because what reminded me is like people are constantly fighting this idea of like commercial entities and people talk about like big beauty, big pharma, big food, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so that's even like you could call your like, you know, rinky dink subreddit company like yeah. Small X because I think yeah. even just that positioning, that branding, people would resonate with. Yeah, that's cool. The, um, do you think trends could work as a, as a podcast? And, and more broadly, I'm curious how you think about just like, I know your frameworks for thinking about this like newsletter versus podcast, like the different mediums and what they are best suited for. And Yeah. So that's kind of what my first million was to start. Um, yeah. if you go back, well, the very beginning was an interview style show that Sean ran. And then one day him and Sam just started riffing, talking about business ideas and people loved it. And so that's another example where I even talked about trends evolved over time. And in both cases, it wasn't necessarily better or worse. I mean, in fact, for my first million, people love it now and they still definitely cover business ideas, but it did deviate from what it originally was. And people liked both. So point being that, like, I think there's definitely opportunity for someone to recreate that to a dimension. Um, I will say, you know, to answer your question about different mediums, and, and I think often people are like, oh, I'm a content creator, or they really bunch or bundle, whether it's a podcast, a newsletter, a YouTube channel, a blog, all in one thing. And they're not. The same way there's that spectrum of like 8chan to LinkedIn, there's a spectrum. And the spectrum that I see with this type of content or like the, yeah, the types of content out there is that there's a depth of connection and podcasting sits on one side of that. Um, so just think about how much time you spend with a podcaster. I mean, if someone made it to this far in the episode, they've probably listened to me for, you know, tens of minutes, if not an hour, if not more. And so you spend a lot of time with people as a, as a podcaster um, versus if you're writing blog articles, you might not even know who wrote it. You might have discovered it through some platform like Hacker News or Reddit and just being interested in the information, not necessarily the connection. Um, and so I often give the analogy that like podcasts are like your best friends. You have a few of them and that relates to even people's listening habits, right? So you listen to like six to eight podcasts and you only listen to those and you listen to them religiously. Then there's, I think, newsletters, which is somewhere in the middle. So there is some consistency to that behavior. You expect it in your inbox, but that's more like a coworker. So like 
you don't have that same level of depth. You're not going to share your like um, all your thoughts and your feelings, but you have a connection. You like the person and you see them every so often. And there's also a certain um, constraint to what you expect them to talk to you about. And then finally, on the other end of the spectrum, I might mention blogs. That's like the person you meet at a conference every so often. There's even more of a constraint on what you expect them to talk to you about. And then there's even more of a constraint on how often you interface with that person. Um, and you can work your way down, right? But it's harder to work your way up, if that makes sense. It's way harder to just start with a podcast and make you know thousands or millions of quote unquote best friends. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very helpful framework. So I'm incubating this, uh, this little media company here. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely inspired by kind of the model that Workweek um, has, has set out and, and mm -hmm. followed others. Um, and I, I'm excited to do it because I think it's a, a valuable business. I'm also excited because I think it's very strategic to investing um, more broadly. And I want to find the next, the Lenny Richiskis or Packy McCormick's or Harry yeah. Stebbings or Steph Smith's. Um, and um, I'm, I'm curious how, how you would recommend thinking, like, I could either like go all in on podcasts and, and mm -hmm. build a podcast network, although I'm curious, like, what is the prize there? How do you compare like a podcast network versus the newsletter network in terms of like, what is worth doing? What are, what are the different like economic or strategic value um, to those? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that building a successful podcast network is much harder. It now can be much more valuable in terms of, remember what I said before about how many creators will get to the point where they do try to monetize or build a business behind it, but they don't actually have that fidelity. They don't have that trust right. or engagement. And so I guess the way I would position it, if we use that same spectrum, like if you have a bunch of successful blogs, it's going to be way harder to build businesses off of those. Now that's, there's kind of like a, an offshoot of blogs that exist, which is like affiliate marketing. And those can be extremely successful like NerdWallet. But barring that, if you're going more the creator route and like the, personality driven route, then building successful blogs or written content is going to be easier partially because of the analytics or the, the tooling that exists. But also, as I mentioned, because it's much easier to interface with a million people once a month than it is to interface with a million people for an hour once a week, right? To have that attention share. And so it's not to say that one's right or wrong, but generally what I do tell people is that if they are going to build a podcast or in this case, a podcast network, um, to do that alongside another content type, that's easier to grow. And then it, that's what you build your funnel. I mean, even if there's exceptions to this, but if you actually Google top podcasts in the world, and I'm not just talking about tech podcasts, but you know, the top, top podcasts out there, most of them had either the benefit of a large network like iHeart that they joined that already had that audience share, or they had that, like it, like they're an Obama or, you know, there's someone that is really well known where they brought that audience. And so again, it's not just like scare people away and say it's impossible, but it's much easier. Like my first million started on the back of the hustle, really. Right. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, I'm, Let's say that you owned a podcast network that did that did kind of two genres of podcasts and it did it really well. It did like this week in crypto, this week in AI, yeah. this week in buy, like for every sector. Mm -hmm. um, and and it was like experts talking, et cetera, like all in for every category. Um, mm -hmm. Or, and you did like um, the definitive like CMO show, CTO show, like for every position. So you had, you, you know, like strong networks in all those spaces and, and in different sectors. 
what would you build on top of that if, if that was already like established and and those were like the leading podcasts of their like different niches or positions or categories? I mean, the easiest thing to build on top of that, if you like just go down the further content funnel is like events because all those people want to meet each other and have the same yep. ideas and problems. But then I know it's it's kind of like a one of those it depends situations that people don't love. But like I would go call up, you know, a bunch of those people who listen to the podcast and just ask them about their day and ask them to just like literally walk me through your day. And then from there, you would find all of the little issues that they run into. And I would build products around that. Or, you know, if they're a well-known role, like a CMO, I bet you, I can almost guarantee there is a CMO subreddit. I would go pouring into there um, and find some information there as well. But I mean, it is a, it depends answer because each of those audiences are going to want something totally different. What I will say I wouldn't do, which is it's like the easy route, but it doesn't work because it's so easy. Is like, I definitely wouldn't go the route that a lot of podcasters do, which is like, let me create a bunch of merch or like, let me create t-shirts. Cause like no one wants that, right? They want you to solve their problems. Um, you know this, but I I know that like, well, I mean, podcasts definitely end up going (laughs) that route. Yeah. It is interesting. I'm, I'm curious how much like sports media, like like things like Barstool or The Ringer, and uh, there are also other examples um, of sports companies that got really big Bleacher Report, The Athletic, like apply over to to tech and business, and like in terms of that, and if sports is like five years ahead or ten years ahead, or if it's really just like something totally different, because there were some big outcomes there, and tech media we haven't seen a ton outside of some individuals. Yeah, and you know I'm not perfect at this either. I'm still figuring it out, but I think one of the reasons that has not happened in tech is because we take ourselves too seriously at points. And if we use the same framework about like podcast being your best friend, you don't want to hang out with that best friend who's always trying to talk to you about the same topics. You want to enjoy yourself around your best friends. And I do think that's something inherently different about podcasting relative to other forms of media. If you listen to a sports podcast, if you listen to a podcast about fashion or beauty or surfing, a lot of these other topics, they're fun. They're hilarious. And I actually think like the all in podcast is actually example. an example of that of yeah. why like as soon as you brought together the information but paired with entertainment that you actually like you wanted to be there you weren't saying hey i'm trying to convince myself to listen to this podcast because i feel like i should stay up to date with autonomous driving you're saying oh i'm actually excited it's saturday morning all in just dropped like i'm gonna throw <laughs> this on the tv and i'm gonna watch it with my family right or like my yeah. my husband and so I think that's actually really important and something, again, I'm still figuring out because I'm in this space, right? Like I'm trying to cover intellectual ideas that are important to people, but also do so in a way that they want to come back to. And so coming back to your question, I think that's, I don't think tech is inherently different. I think there can be incredibly large media companies built around this idea of technology and keeping up with it. I just don't think we've cracked the code yet or there's been a large scale example of it working yeah that's well but um at this point i will tell the listener if you're still listening to this <laughs> you're my best friend yeah you're having so much fun right now <laughs> that's so funny but i mean even like if you use the examples of like what people end up building on the top of these other like industries it's not unique like whether it's like celebrities or in in, in the athletic space like they all end up selling some alcohol brand because it's just like at the end of the day once you have that attention i mean it's better if you create a product that is 
cater to your audience. But it's a lot harder to do that. So a lot of people are just like, well, we have this audience and they like us. They're our best friend in the same way that your best friend, even if they are the person who's the most intelligent about like insert technical topic here, if they still, if you trust them and they suggest like a new bar or a new workout spot, like you're still going to take that recommendation, right? You're not just going to be like, oh no, I only listen to you about this one thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my hope is that the analytics are um, just improved such that, you know, we can just better understand our audiences because Mm -hmm. people that listen to our podcasts are smart, um, competent, and, uh, you know, wealthy people, Um, you know, certainly relative to to more mainstream shows. Um, So that's a big, big open question. Um, Just to pause for as we're getting towards the end, is there anything we did not cover that is top of mind for, for, for you? Well, I think like I think maybe if if people got this far, they're interested in understanding like how content's evolving and how um, maybe they can get involved. And I don't have all the answers here, but kind of tacking on to what I just said, I feel like there's not enough creativity given the new tools that we have today. Um, so, f- for example, I mentioned like the term skeuomorphism earlier, but it's like we're just taking like it, with the example of newsletters what used to exist in a newspaper and like replicating that in an email. And I just feel like, like I can give a couple examples, but I feel like we can be much more creative in what we actually do to utilize these tools. Like someone should run with this because I think it would work. I could be wrong, but like, I think there should be a newsletter that the whole newsletter every single day is just one question, one survey question, like a multiple choice survey question. And every day people come back to see the results from the prior day. And maybe there's some like commentary on that, but that's all it is. And especially as we talked about like virtual humans, um, a lot of people, a lot of people I think want to know what people actually think more and more. And so like, that's just like such a simple example where today we actually have polling that you can do within a newsletter, which you could not do before. You can't poll a physical like newspaper. And so you can ask, like we did this for a little bit at the hustle, but just like what kind of milk do you drink? And then you can literally get data on like how oat milk is taking off or like how, you know, different people um, have a perspective on like the future of AI. It could be anything, right? But I think that is like such a simple modification to like the way people write a newsletter today. And there's infinitely more creative ways than that example of how people can actually use the new tools that exist to do something net different. So I guess that's the only thing. I would add and encourage. Um, Ayla is a person on Twitter who's yes. um, built a massive following um, doing fascinating um, and very odd at times polls. Uh, oh, and really? Uh, well, she does other stuff too, but it, it's it's fascinating to see the um, the the outputs of the polls. And it's like, because she'll, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about what some of the polls might say, but there's, <laughs> there, you're so curious as to what people will say. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's just, that's just a version of it. But yeah, getting like, you know, finding out what humans think on a, on a topic is, is fascinating. So that's yeah. a really good idea. And even we talked about like the content format, that particular idea is perfect for newsletters because it is something that people come back to versus if you did that on Twitter, as she does, like you have to almost like, well, I guess Twitter shows you the results, but if you wanted to see the final results, you'd have to come back or like remind yourself or something like that. And so, yeah, I think that's another way of just like thinking what medium is this actually best fit for as well. 
if you were starting like a tech media company today, like how, how might you go about it if you're trying to do that as an independent company or just like tech media in general? Yeah. So I mentioned before how I think that a lot of times in tech, and again, I'm not perfect. I'm sure people can surface tons of examples of where I've done this wrong, where I've not followed my own advice. But I think what we saw Barstool as an example do really well is drive everything everything through a personality. Um, and so if I were starting a like media brand, I think what a lot of people do is they're like, they focus too much on the content, like, oh, what topics are we going to cover? Like, how are we going to break this part? What's like the site taxonomy, all this stuff, all things to consider. What I would start with is just like a few folks that you think are incredibly compelling, right? And you can figure out what they cover and you can train them on certain topics as well. But like, I would find like three people that you already like follow on Twitter or or if you don't know them and you want someone specifically on a specific topic, like, again, that's where communities come into play. You're, I know you're a community expert, but like, I would go find those people first and then I would work with them to figure out like what you want to build with their expertise. But I think that's what draws people in is that like, again, wanting to follow someone. People don't follow Mr. Beast because he's well, they do follow him because he's a creative genius, but they also follow him because of him in those videos. And yeah. so I think that's where a lot of companies go wrong because, again, they're focused too much on, like, not that, in fact, right? In fact, they, like, hide the personalities behind some byline or something like that. Um, so I would personally start there if I was to give you any advice. But, um, you know, there's endless other things to to consider outside of that, of course. No, that's, that's great advice. Um Steph, thanks so much for, for, for coming on the podcast. For people who want to follow your work, uh, they can listen to the, the great uh, ACCZ podcast. Uh, they can follow you on Twitter and anywhere else you might uh, point them. Yeah. I mean, all of the links related to me are at my website, stephsmith.io. And yeah, if you want to listen to my attempt at doing media, you can uh, give the ACCZ podcast a shot. And your other podcast that you have with your yes. partner. Yeah. I have one with that my husband called The Shit You Don't Learn in School. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much, Steph. Thank you. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of this show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code Media Empires to get a 20% discount. Turpentine is a network of podcasts, newsletters, and more covering tech, business, and culture, all from the perspective of industry insiders and experts. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now. At Turpentine, we're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We have a slate of hit shows across a range of topics and industries, from AI with Cognitive Revolution to Econ 102 with Noah Smith. Our other shows drive the conversation in tech with the most interesting thinkers, founders, and investors, like Moment of Zen and my show Upstream. We're looking for industry-leading hosts and shows along with sponsors. If you think that might be you or your company, email me at eric at turpentine.co. That's E-R-I-K at turpentine.co.